So Ben mentioned already, last week we had the kids sing. And if you were in the room, if you weren't, don't worry, I'm going to tell you kind of what happened. One of our services we had with preschoolers, uh, someone flat out form tackle someone else during a worship song, which I didn't know that was an option. I think it was initially intended to be a hug. However, if you're running at a small child and uh, you hug them, then it's just a flat out form tackle. It was awesome. We had uh, different tiers. We had some actually decide to jump off the stage during songs. I mean, it was, it was an epic moment. And then at the, <laughs> the end of the service, uh, our chair for the executive committee, Monica, kind of tied together like, hey, this is something we get to invest in right now. Later in the week, someone gave me this. I had not received a copy of this, but uh, for those that have been part of our church a long time, uh, this was 23 years ago, the last time our church went through a generosity initiative like what we just did. Uh, Thank you for, again, incredible week, I hope, for the kingdom of God, not just our church. But this was fun for me. The, 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 The first large picture in this deal was of the nursery preschoolers. She said, this is Hayden. This is Hayden Gilliam, her son, who is now engaged to be married, she said, look, this is Ryan Ewing, who is the best man in his wedding. (laughs) Now, I recognize first hours I started telling this story. Y'all might ask now to move classes with your kids. I don't know. Darby Bird apparently is also in this picture. Uh, Nora LaPrane, right back there holding kids like she has for many years. Uh, If you know who these other two children are, I would love for you to come and tell me later. But as I, I saw that, I was like, hey, this, this is kind of cool. Like, we, we have gotten to watch these kids grow up in Christ. Hayden is now the youth pastor for First Baptist Glen Rose. This weekend is their first disciple now, which is a big deal. Yeah, that's cool. He's... Ryan loves the Lord, is going to be part of uh, his wedding coming up, and his brother is actually leading now to send people out on missions, was going to be leading our perspectives class this spring. Now that may happen in the fall. Uh, Ryan is sending people out on mission. Darby is serving at a church in Melissa right now on their staff team making disciples, like literally multiplication. Like that is just so cool for me to watch. Now, some of you are thinking, well, what does this have to do with anything? Um, We're going to get to the text. We're actually not going to preach specific towards the Multiply Project every week, but we are going to keep preaching Make Disciples. And what we're going to see this week as we go back through our journey in the book of Mark, we're going to see the triumphal entry. Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem, destroying the Messianic secret, announcing, I am king. And as we do see what Jesus is going to do, I want us to ask a question corporately And I'm going to want you to also ask this question personally. And so, in your life, maybe whose kingdom are you building right now? What do do I mean by that? Uh, Do you have an area of life right now that's prompting anxiety for you on a significant level? It's probably because you're focused on something that's consuming you that's not going the way that you were hoping it would. Whether that's the wrinkles on your face, uh, whether that's your peer group at school, whether that's uh, how successful you are at work, uh, you're, you're trying to invest in a kingdom maybe 
that's about you or your friends or your office. I don't know what it is for you. And I want to invite you today to let Jesus, as he walks into Jerusalem, invite you to be about something that's greater. Now, in in my own life, I need to be reminded of this on so many levels. Uh, In the meeting that we have to pray over our worship services right before the first hour, today I said something that embarrassed me significantly. I tried to make a joke, and I realized it was at someone else's expense. And I I immediately was like, oh, and it's, oh, like, y'all have been there before, right? I, oh, I felt bad. I, I tried to apologize, and like, oh. So much of our lives, when life's about us, goes that way, doesn't it? Uh, I am very much an imperfect pastor. I think y'all have learned that about me. But like, <laughs> when, 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 when life for me is about anything other than what Jesus is going to show us today and demonstrate publicly, it leads to anxiety, brokenness, despair. I don't think... Most that were there when he walked in fully understood. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with us to Mark chapter 11. If you're new to the Bible, it's um, like five-eighths of the way through for me. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a black one in the pew there in front of you you can use. You can use an electronic device. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you that copy. Mark chapter 11, some of you are thinking, we're going to do triumphal entry, isn't that supposed to be a Palm Sunday text? Yeah, most of the time, if, you, if, you, if you're someone who's grown up in church, we, we celebrate this on Palm Sunday, but y'all know most of the Gospels spend a whole lot of time in the last part of Jesus' life, the last week. Matthew, one-fifth of his Gospel, Luke, one-fourth of his Gospel, Mark, one-third of his Gospel, John, one-half the last seven days. And so as we're walking through Mark leading up to Easter, a third of our journey will be here. To honor God's word, I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to read starting in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And when they went away and found a colt at a door outside in the street, and they untied it, And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. Wow, don't try that this afternoon for the record. (laughs) And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their uh, their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and the others spread leafy branches that that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, what? Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Again, in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. 
And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I usually pray at this point, and I've been inviting people to kneel if they're able, if it's, un- if it's comfortable. If, it's, if you can't, that's totally fine. I want to just say why we've been doing this of late. It's a physical posturing for our hearts to have going into listening to God's word. So I want to invite you, if you're able to get on your knees, to just do that and to remind yourself he's king and you're not. And now I want you to just talk to God for a second. Tell him where, where anxiety is for you, maybe where you're focused right now that's not going great. Just be open about maybe what kingdom you're, you're focused on building right now. And invite the Holy Spirit to, to use God's word to speak into your life and to help you right now. Ask the Spirit to help my words to truly teach what the Bible says. So Father, we ask now, King, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Use this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's walk through this moment in Scripture, and it's pretty epic. I think you'll start seeing early, this is a big deal in the Gospels. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, do y'all see that they're making a really big deal about where they are? In fact, I don't know of another place in the Gospels. This is the only, the second story in the Gospels that's in all four. The first was the feeding of the 5,000, now triumphal entry. But the, the point here of where Jesus is, all the Gospel writers make a big deal of. Why? Well, if you've been reading through the book of Mark with us, Peter confesses, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and In response to that, Jesus says, well, that means I've got to go to the religious leaders and they're going to kill me and I'll rise again in three days. In the last three chapters in Mark, he's said three different times to his disciples, I've got to go to where? Jerusalem and die. He's drawing near to Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Why point out Mount of Olives? Here's a picture looking west from Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives. There's a really cute girl right there that, I, that I'm married to. Now looking east from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. Do you all know in Ezekiel, we read that the presence of the Lord had left the temple going east. In Ezekiel, there's also prophecy that the Messiah would come to the Mount of Olives and then enter into the city through the Eastern Gate, which at that point in time is actually underground. This is the Eastern Gate. The prophecy is so clear that the largest Jewish cemetery 
is on the Mount of Olives because they're expecting the Messiah to show up on the Mount of Olives. And it is so evident in Scripture that, that the Messiah will show up on the Mount of Olives and he will ride into Jerusalem through the east that the Muslims, when they took over the Temple Mount, they bricked up the eastern gate with 16 feet of concrete and stone and they put their own cemetery because for a Jew to go through a Gentile cemetery makes you unclean right outside so that this could not happen. But it's already happened! And, and, I believe it's going to happen again at Jesus' second coming. So, y'all see, this is a really big moment in Scripture. Uh, if y'all like to follow, like, movies or plot lines, I'll bring this up on occasion because I'm a Star Wars fan. Like, in the first one that was made, which is the fourth, and if you don't know Star Wars, sorry for that, there's this Death Star that's going to destroy everything. And, and the, the, the good guys find out about it and the Death Star is coming to blow up their planet but then the good guys get in their X-wings and they fly around this other planet and then there is the Death Star on the horizon with these little X-wings coming at it and it's this moment you're like, it's about to happen, right? That's this moment in the Gospels. Y'all see it? Here's Jesus. Drew near to Jerusalem to Bethpage and to Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied. Now the other gospels tell us that this colt was with its mom, and his mom was a donkey. He was the colt of a donkey, a baby donkey, on which no one has ever sat. You ever tried to ride a horse? We can't. We used to say, hey, if you've never ridden a horse, hey, guess what? We've got horses that have never been ridden. We'll just match you up. That's great, right? <laughs> It doesn't work that way, does it? Untie it and bring it, Jesus said. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And we'll send it back. I mean, this is another like Star Wars moment. These are not the droids you are looking for. Like, it's like, what did Jesus is like? The Lord was needed to send you back here immediately. If they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside of the street and they untied it, and then some of those standing there will say to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Why does Mark make such a big deal out of this donkey? Why does Jesus supernaturally control the situation to set up the fact for him to ride. This is the only place in the Bible where Jesus rides on another animal. Unless you count maybe inside Mary when the don I don't know. But he's walked all the way to Jerusalem. Now he gets to go downhill like the last half mile and then up a little bit. He does not need an animal. Why does he do this? Again, setting up this epic moment in scripture. Genesis chapter 49, 15 years prior to this, it was written that in the line of David, a king would ride in on a donkey. It was such a clear prophecy in scripture for the people of Israel, this donkey would symbolize humility and peace, that when David passed on the baton to his son Solomon, Solomon ends up on David's donkey three different times. We can make a lot of jokes. We're not going to do it, okay? 
He ends up on the donkey three different times. And then two of the gospel writers actually write Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine out for us. And I will read it to you. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is making very clear. Hey, he's not announcing, hey, I'm running for president. (laughs) He's saying, I'm the king. I'm the king, the prophesied Messiah, it's me. Jesus, right now, right there, about to ride in to the city. You know, math professors uh, Stephen Stoner and Robert Newman wrote a book that's become a famous book, 1958, called Science Speaks, Biblical Proof for the Accuracy of Prophecy and the Bible. And in it, they argue that the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling just eight, I'd say eight, no, is it six? Six, I apologize. I should know this is a stat, right? I'm, I'm about to preach it. Six of the Old Testament prophecies in his life, the likelihood of that happening, they say, is like covering Texas two foot deep in silver dollars, marking one of them, throwing it out there somewhere, then blindfolding you. It's interesting, their illustration starts in Dallas, Blindfolding you in Dallas, telling you to walk and randomly pick up one. There's a likelihood of Jesus fulfilling six of them. Most argue that he fulfilled in his first coming more than 300 of them. Again, trying to make the point how big of a deal this is. Y'all realize in the last week of Jesus' life, he fulfilled a lot of, last 24 hours. Here's just the last 24 hours. I had fun with this this last week. This was what was prophesied that the Messiah would be betrayed by his own friends. The price of his betrayal would be 30 pieces of silver. The money for his betrayal would be thrown back into the house of the Lord. When he was tried, he would open not his mouth. He would be tortured, bruised, whipped, and experience shame and dishonor. His followers would scatter. The graphic details of the crucifixion even were prophesied that he would be killed with sinners. His hands would be pierced. His feet would be pierced, yet none of his bones would be broken. Those killing him would divide his clothes and cast lots for them. On the cross, he would thirst. Uh, or when he was dying, he would thirst. A bitter drink would be offered to him. He would be stared at by passersby, hated, mocked, and scorned. He would be like a lamb going to slaughter. He would be killed for the faults of others, to be an intercessor for sinners, and to crush the head of the enemy, Satan. That goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Even the words he would speak on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And after his death, It was prophesied that his side would be pierced, that water would flow out of his body, and that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. That's 24 hours. There are many people who have come to faith in Christ. You know, we have most of our Old Testament now because of the findings at Qumran predating Jesus. There are many people who have come to faith in Jesus just through studying prophecy and then seeing how Jesus fulfilled them. Jesus proves the Bible is supernatural, told us about him, and the Bible proves that Jesus is the king. He's the Messiah. So here we are, Jesus is riding in 
whose kingdom are we building? He's the king. He's the king. He rides into the city now. This is a road going down from the, the uh, again, there's been so much construction and stuff over time. That's not the actual ground he probably touched. Road going down from, and this is now looking up. The Garden of Gethsemane, many don't know that, is there in the Kidron Valley between, uh, why can't I say the mountain? What's it? Thank you, Mount of Olives, hello. Sometimes your brains ever get locked up. It's just worse when you're in front of people. The people, the people recognize Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. But they're gonna miss it because they're expecting a different kind of king. Watch. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it, and many spread their cloaks on the road, and the others spread leafy branches. Other gospel writers tell us that those were palm branches that they had cut from the fields. Y'all know what they were doing at that point? They're doing their version of this at that point. They recognize that Jesus is royalty, and so they are rolling out the red carpet for him, right? They're saying, hey, thank you. He helped me out. Someone didn't, is not going to fall now because of that. They're rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. We don't, what are the palm branches? They're, they're, they're saying, this man, this man is special. In fact, what, what they're going to say is more than this man is special. They had songs that they would sing, the Hillel Psalms, six of them, when they would go up for Passover to Jerusalem. And they're going to sing one of these songs specifically while they're rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. Those who went before and those who followed were shouting what? Hosanna, the words literally mean, save us, O Lord. O Lord, save us. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. They're, they're to, as a, at this moment, like again, this is better than the Death Star. <laughs> Like there, the, Jesus coming down from the Mount of Olives, heading into the Eastern Gate. They're singing the promised song that, guess what? There's, oh, save us, oh God, we're praying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The whole, the whole group knew this song. And y'all know songs that are like holiday songs, right? It would, would make sense that they would know their holiday songs, Right? Uh, y'all learn, so we'll do a few of them, dashing through the snow in a, yeah, see, so you know, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, yeah, okay, y'all wish the other jingle bell, probably, grandma got run over by a, yeah, why do we always have to do it, but th this one, no, so we're joking, but this one is joy to the world, the, what they're singing is the Lord is coming right now. The Lord is coming. That's what they're singing. The, these words are out of specifically Psalm 118. I will give thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. You see what they're singing? 
The salvation is coming. This is the day the Lord has made. Save us, O Lord. They're, they're singing. And, and he, Jesus walked. Ah! But they miss it. When I say they miss it, some argue that's the same crowd at the end of the week that's singing or crucify him, not singing, saying crucify him. Maybe some, but I don't think all. I mean, the city had ballooned during Passover. But the crowd was looking for a different kind of king. I want to get specific to us by, by talking about them. They were looking for a political deliverer. They were seeing the oppression in their own life and they were focused on their own oppression and what was happening there and what was bringing them anxiety and they, they were ready for the king that was going to get rid of Rome. Luke tells us as Jesus rides in with this crowd singing, Jesus knows they don't really understand. He writes, Luke writes, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. They did not know that there was a better king than the kind of kingdom they were trying to build. Craig Bartholomew writes in the drama of scripture, Jerusalem is to be the scene of the final battle between the kingdom of God and the powers of evil. Many in Israel do expect a climactic military battle between God's army of pious Jews and pagan Gentiles who oppose God's will. But this is not the battle of which Jesus is preparing. Instead, he is about to take the full force of cosmic evil upon himself and so to exhaust its power. For Jesus, the battle will be won, not by killing the enemy, but in allowing himself to be killed, to give up his life on the cross. This was too different for the people that were wanting this political deliverer. And I'm not just going to sit here for too long, but I just want to say that I have seen a great need for Christians in our country to rise up around politics. We have a need right now for that. But what we don't need is Christians that prioritize country over the kingdom. Instead, Christians that are prioritizing the kingdom and bringing it into our country, right? I've seen great anxiety in people's lives around who the next politician might be. Instead of realizing the king is already on the throne. And, and I would just say, if for you that's causing great anxiety, maybe you need to turn off the news for a little while and open your Bible and to recognize that we have a greater kingdom and then bring that in to our social spaces. We need Christians right now. We need Christians that are focused on the kingdom right now. Politically, what about personally? What is it in your life if it's, if it's not the news that's causing stress? Are you focused right now on your family more than it's healthy? And your anxiety is based on how good your spouse feels today or your kid feels today. 
Uh, if, if Jesus were to show up but not fix your hurting family member, would you think he's not really the Messiah? What are you... Now, if your marriage is struggling, there are a lot of marriages that are struggling. Can we learn from the story? Yes, but let's follow the example of Jesus and let's choose sacrifice and humility and lowliness like Jesus did. There, we can learn from that. But I don't think the message that Jesus would bring to us right now is, hey, let me, let me just help you focus on your marriage more. We need marriage help. By the way, we have a marriage conference coming. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Jesus has something great that was greater, the kingdom of God. And he was ready to die for the sin that you have, that I have, the, the, the wrong things that I've committed, the shame and the guilt in my life, and take it away. And he did the same for you. He has the greater answer to the greater Hosanna cry. This was before they, I'm an old man, before they could do panos really good, so this is the way phones used to do pano photos, so. Anybody know the name of this valley? That's the Kidron Valley. Exodus chapter 12 tells us that the priests would select on Sunday the lambs that would be sacrificed later in the week, Friday, same time when Jesus would die. We know also from biblical history that many of them would be found in the Kidron Valley. So as Jesus rides in, we have all these priests outside selecting the lamb that would be sacrificed to cover the sin of the people. Jesus might have been walking in with them. Jesus had come to do something that was so much greater. Jesus had come to deliver them from an enemy that was greater than Rome. And he's done the same for you and I. There is a real kingdom and a real king, right? His name is Jesus. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. In his love and by his grace, he lived. He is the perfect lamb. He lived a perfect life. He died for our sin in our place, and he rose again. Repent, believe, follow him, and be part of his kingdom, right? now and forever. Whose kingdom, whose kingdom are you building? I want to invite you into the other kingdom by just talking again about us for a second. Whose kingdom are we building? As we've walked through this Multiply Project, this, I've had this great fear as a pastor because I like to focus on me. I've had this great fear that we would do something as a church that would become us about us. Like, if, if we do not stay about the kingdom of God, we're going to go the wrong direction as the church. Y'all recognize that, right? There, there's, a, there's a greater plan that God has for our lives than for us to turn and focus on ourselves. As you keep reading here, Mark walks in, not Mark, Mark with Jesus. Mark walks us in with Jesus to the big church, the temple. As he entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. 
why does he tell us this? So he had this climactic moment of, of the biblical prophecy and the life of Jesus leading to walking in, and he, he, he goes in, and then he checks something out, and he leaves. It's just, an, to me, it's an, it, why? Anybody know what happens the next day? I wish I had a whip on stage just to get attention. Jesus shows back up at the big church, the temple. Y'all know what he does? He is not happy. Uh, it, I think it was not Jesus just lost his temper at all. That, that, that's not the Lord and Savior that we, we serve, right? He saw something that was not kingdom focused. He saw something, this is what he says in verse 17. Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of, what? Prayer for who? All the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Church family, I am praying in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that the king who walked into Jerusalem on that donkey some 2,000 years ago would what be would consume your life and would consume us as a, you are the church. That we together as the church could respond to what Jesus has done for us through pouring our lives out for the kingdom of God. That we would be a house of prayer for all the nations. And if for you, you're struggling with focusing on something about you, I, I just, can I invite you with me as I this week asking God, what can you do in my heart to say, hey, let's turn our attention. Let's turn our attention to our neighbors, the nations, the next generation. Let, let's be about the world that, that, that you've already heard us talk about. The youth trip, this is them praying on Wednesday and gathered up into teams around the room, some 31 that went to Moldova. We've gotten to see today them say nine yet more say yes to Jesus. We also have a team that came back last night. We're gonna talk to you all a lot more about what God is doing. Y'all might remember in our Beyond invitation several years ago as we were saying, hey, we want to come alongside of Rainbow Mike, what God is doing to Uganda, 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 that's a different, Uganda, yeah. I'm looking right now at Brent. Brent and Mark were there getting to see what we've gotten to invest in as you through your offerings. Not for us, not, a, not build our church, but invest in the kingdom of God. Have gotten to put a, a new building on the ground over there for them to gather and worship, a kitchen, a restroom, a guest house, apparently other things that, that as you poured out. That, 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 and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you this video. As you watch this video, I want you to think about how can I turn my heart towards others? How, how can I build the kingdom by, by, by focusing on what Jesus has done for me and inviting Jesus through me to build the kingdom of God? I want you to think about what does this look like as you watch something in Uganda? What does this look like for you and your neighborhood this week? Y'all watch. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for calling us yourself and thank you for using us Lord to fulfill your plan and purpose for this land and for the people of Jie and Karamujong in Kotido and I know you look at the Karamujong differently you don't call them hard to reach people you don't call them 
warriors. You call them your children and you call them your people. And so I pray that you give us your vision that we'll see them with your eyes and love them with the love that you've expressed to us that we extend this love and mercy. I pray that the food that will be given out to the people will represent the spiritual blessings that you're doing in Karamoja. That the people will not only see food, but that they will see Jesus through this giving. Today we were blessed to get to observe a food distribution project with a partner organization called Gospel Express. Dozens of women representing their families and their children showed up to Shalom Home where they received the gospel. Each family received 50 pounds of maize flour and 20 pounds of beans. Afterwards, they carried these bags home, some as far as 12 miles away. This is just one way that God is at work through Shalom Home here in Cotito. All my passengers to arrive here safe, and that's the one heading out to all those areas we just mentioned. Um, give them a good time, protect them, be a blessing for the communities, and ask for a safe food tonight. Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.